Hello, everybody. My name is Steve, and I'm here with two uh, two awesome people. I'm here with Epic Tales and author Mike Shell, the author of Aching God. And we are reading the Iconoclast series one book per month. And this is the first meetup for Aching God, the first book in the trilogy. So, Epic, do you want to give a quick introduction and tell us about your channel? Epic Tales, you already know. I talk, my channel is all about stories, like uh, centered mostly around books, but also anime and animations and anything that has to do with storytelling. So, yeah, I'm so excited to get this conversation going because I absolutely love this book. Like, if you, if you, if you're a fan of grittier, grounded, like fantasy, epic fantasy, you know, like, you know, like the original fantasy books that like, that like made you love fantasy. This book is, a, that is what this book is. I am so excited to talk to Mike Shell today. And uh, yeah, like, uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself. I am Mike Shell. I'm the author of the Iconoclasts uh, trilogy. Um, and I've done a, a good deal of writing for uh, the Pathfinder role-playing game. Um, did that actually before I started writing novels. So thanks for having me. Thanks to everyone for reading my book. Yeah, no, thank you for coming along and chatting with us about it. Thank you for writing the book to start with. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> I like what, 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 what 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 aspects of like your experience working um with pathfinder like what could you be specific in in the aspects of like uh working how working with pathfinder influenced your 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 prose and like how you on how you unfold stories i don't know that it necessarily influenced my prose um it it influenced uh my understanding of constructing a story and kind of structuring a story, and uh, it certainly, it obviously, flavored the the nature of the of the story that I was telling. You know, I I had always been kind of fascinated by um, kind of a classic D and D setup where people are are crawling into old tombs and whatnot, and and but wanting to ground that kind of in the real world. Uh, you know, and so much. Uh, fantasy these things you know people are attacked by shambling undead and you know enormous dragons and and they just shrug it off afterwards and uh it was it was well this is also informed by what i do for my day job but you know i just think that that's kind of stuff would be traumatizing and so you know i i i was really wanting to to work toward uh a a world that felt real and uh, you know, grounded in in some kind of, I guess, reality, um, is what I'm looking at. So the Pathfinder helped kind of um, make me think a lot about how would something like how would magic work in the in in a real setting? How you know, certainly the government's going to have its fingers in it. They're not going to let you know people go off and do magic all on their own. There's going to be, you know, some desire for for the government to control it, and how does that how does that work? What does that do to innovation? Um, uh, and I would think that you know having access to magic would would prevent uh, a lot of innovation. You know, always so much uh, fantasy that we read seems to be stuck in kind of a medieval or or maybe Renaissance 
kind of a setting technology wise. And, you know, having been that way for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years, and I would think, yeah, maybe magic would would kind of uh, keep innovation from happening, technological innovation, because, well, we just, you know, we can just uh, flip, you know, flip a magic switch to make it happen. So hmm. that was a very rambling and not on target answer to your question. Yeah, hard. but but then you 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 touched on some other things I wanted to ask you about. So after the 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 live stream ended the last time we spoke, you mentioned how like your um how your how your work in in psychology and like everything like a mental illness and everything how that kind of inf influenced your like how you how you shape your characters and um how how yeah, their reactions and everything you mentioned you didn't like you like you mentioned you didn't like the thing where or rather you observe the 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 like when a dragon comes and like the characters are not reacting like emotionally appropriate as far as like the the real world is concerned like how like um i, I noticed that a lot with the, your characters in the book and like i i was I, I loved it i loved it i love i loved how your characters were grounded they did not feel like out of reach emotionally like i did not have to sh i did not have to um i did not have to phase i did not have to switch to fantasy mode of understanding understanding things to like flow with it you know what i mean like it was it was so real and then oh my god like the way you unfolded the story like talking about um oryx um uh dreams that basically uh like uh that basically informing you about the barrelands as well as like sh sh talking about his ptsd and it, it was just so brilliant so brilliant like even when even when they were on the like i did i was not bored at any point I was not like I did not want to stop to do something else for a few minutes before I continued. I just wanted to keep going, but I had to pace myself because this was supposed to be last week, and I was like, uh, and then I, we were like, we're going to move it this week. So I stopped reading it, and then I started reading more about more of it like a couple of days ago. But I could really see how like your your understanding of uh, psychology influenced your characters, and I really really enjoyed that aspect. Mm. Thank you. My specific area of expertise as, as a psychotherapist is, is anxiety and panic. Hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, I obviously work with people with all sorts of issues coming through, but, but that's, that's my, my specialty. And so, you know, having had a lot of experience with people with, with, uh, with trauma histories and, you know, and, you know, maladaptive uh, anxiety responses, I think that that, you know, they say, write what you know. So <laughs> um, I know about this stuff. So uh, that was one of the things that was really fun to weave in. And I actually, um, I probably, uh, the first draft, uh, first or second draft, hadn't pushed it um, as much as I did. But another uh, a writer that I know, Tamandra uh, Whitecastle, uh, read it. And uh, she said, you know, she pointed out, for instance, at the point, everyone's read it. Who's, is there actually anyone other than the three of us here right now? Do we know? Uh, you know? There's a few people watching. Yeah. Okay. Let us know in the chat. Um, uh, um, uh, I assume everyone's read it. So the point mm -hmm. when they have to amputate Sierra's leg, hmm. um, Tim said, that's a perfect opportunity to do a flashback. And I thought, well, that's maybe that's 
maybe that's too much. I, you know, I hadn't, I had kind of backed off a little bit because I didn't want to do too much. Um, but she said, no, go, go for it. You need to push, you need to punch this up some more. So it was thanks to her and, and some other feedback I got from other, some other writers who, that uh, I, I pushed it a little more than I had originally. And I, I'm glad like you got that advice because like, uh, I really, really enjoyed that aspect. Like it really, um, it, it, it was like, so to talk about like his experience in the Barrowlands and like to 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 talk about that experience and not show like an emo like how it affected him afterwards would have not like uh it like it would have taken something very important in the book that i enjoyed a lot thank you yeah i it was it was something that was really important to me i i think i thought you know i wrote the book that i wrote was a book that i know i would like to read hmm and and wanted to see those kinds of things portrayed so i'm glad that 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 did come through yeah just to follow up on one follow up on no to follow up on what epic said about not being bored i was never kind of waiting for something to happen i thought it was pretty steady the whole way through i didn't think there was any dips or the story was always moving along there was always something happening and i was always interested in what was going to come next so guys this is a masterpiece like no kidding like this is a masterpiece has my highest praise and i'm not just seeing it because it's here because he's here like i was talking to uh steve before this started and i was just like oh my god oh my god oh my god i really really enjoy the book this is the kind of stuff i like and uh yes i also like how like uh descriptive you were with like the gory aspects of the book Mm -hmm. like i was really there i was really there and you know, like how you were telling the story of every time he woke up from the dream, I was like, damn it, I wanted more. But then I was happy he woke up because I'm like, okay, the movie is moving. The, the I said the movie. It played in my head like a movie. But like the book is moving in, 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 in this direction as well. And just like how you, something else I really, really enjoyed about the book was the dialogue. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like the dialogue was so well written. Like, and in, in just like... um and just like how each of the characters communicated i really like it was it was so well written like and uh, like uh, so like w- when you're writing dialogue right you have to put yourself um and i'm talking like as a as an aspiring writer you have to put yourself in the person's mind and like uh how would they see this how would this character react to this like and and everything was so well done like how like what what did you do anything and this is your first book too so like wh- what did you do to improve your your dialogue specifically if 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 like when you're writing um i had a i had a more serious outline for this book than i did for the following two books hmm. um and but one of the things that i learned along the way is to let let characters do what they want to do um I, you know, I'd always, you know, you had heard things about how, oh, well, you know, this was what was going to happen in the story. And then this character just wouldn't let me or this character, you know, I always thought that was, you know, that was, yeah, pretentious bullshit, you know, that, <laughs> come on, you, you plan, you know, you did this. And, but I really experienced that in the course of writing this. It's like, uh, I, and I, and that happened very much in dialogue. 
just kind of trying to put myself in the shoes of 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 the people who are, who are in conversation with one another. And you know, again, remember that a big part of my job is all about dialogue, right? Oh. And conversation between yeah. people, and um, and empathy, and trying to uh, un understand things from another person's perspective. So I think um, uh, it's. It's something that it just felt like it was happening as I as I wrote it, and I didn't worry too much about. And I got to wrap this shit up. Right there, we got to get we got to get to the next thing. I just kind of let that happen, and I think that's that's what what built some of the characters in my mind. So, so like, did you revise over it a lot? Like, did you revise over like how much did you change? How how much was different from like from your first draft to like your final draft? Like in terms of just just because I feel like the dialogue was very well done and the way you used it to unveil information about the world and this like what was going on and everything was so well done. Like, did you revise it after like was that just like your first go or like did you i can't i couldn't tell you epic i mean it's wow. it's um uh i mean i've i've um i wrote the, the first draft of this book in in 10 weeks 132,000 words in 10 weeks now this is this is from someone who uh for my entire life started trying to write, you know, when I was 13 or 14 years old, um, uh, I've never been able to get past 20, 30 pages hmm. and just get it, getting bogged down in going back and editing over and over and over again, you know, until I, you know, I, everything had been squeezed, all the happiness and, and inspiration was squeezed out of the thing. And so this was the first time I had ever just, it just all came pouring out. Hmm. Every time I sat down to write, it would be, you know, I'd write 2,500 words, which was fantastic. Um, but then I, I, I sat on it for, I, I didn't sit on it. I continued to tinker with it then for, um, for months afterwards, probably about a, uh, a year. Um, because first, I wasn't sure which direction I was going to go with, with whether I was going to try to pursue a traditional publishing deal, um, or if I was going to self-publish, and what that would take. And um, uh, it uh, so it went through iterations. There's only one major change to the plot. Um, little things were added in here and there, and I tightened up some things and, and put a little bit more, uh, uh, when I felt like I, something needed to be more clearly explained. Um, but I think probably the, the bulk of it was really just spat out in, in that 10 weeks. Hmm. So hmm. I thought hmm. that I was, I thought then that that's the way people write books now. So I was expecting the next two to be be the same story in it, and they were not at all. So, so before, like, uh, before, because I feel like I've just been gushing so far. But first of all, I I 100% agree with Andrew. Like, Auric is such a good character, 
Oric is such such a good character and um like shout out to andrew as well he was the one that recommended this book to me a long time ago before he even did a review for it and i kept like pushing i was like okay i'll read it i'll read it i'll read it but like i am so glad he recommended it to me and like i read it now um um it's insta five over five man this guy knows what he's talking about like i i i um hmm like so uh just give me yeah so concerning auric right like i know you told me the first time that uh i don't know if it was, we said it during the while the um while we're during the previous live stream or after the live stream ended but you told me that some you said some traditional publishers didn't want to publish your book because like they said auric was too was such a was too good of, of a of a character I, I, the, the 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 feedback i got which I think was excellent feedback mm-hmm. was that a new, a New York publisher, which meant that at the time meant a big five publisher is not going to be interested in, in this title because um, my, because Oric is too nice. Hmm. Oric is too nice. Mm-hmm. I feel like he That's was really good, surprising. but I, I didn't think he was too nice. I think he was a good, he was a good character, and like I didn't think he was too nice. I, just, I thought he was a grounded. He was grounded. So there was none of the, because there's a thing in there's a thing where in fantasy books or in books in general where they kind of like elevate uh, the the main characters to like Christ level to like a level where like it's just like nobody actually is this good, and it's like. Um, I liked, I didn't, usually I don't like, I don't, I don't, I can't really empathize with a character that doesn't really have like a, a dark side that is tangible, you know, but like the thing with Auric was that Auric was, uh, Auric was, um, Auric was so grounded that like, I didn't find myself minding that he wasn't like, he wasn't like the, the, an anti-hero or like, I just enjoyed him. And then the moments he had, even towards the ending of the book where he was like, oh, now I have this cool sword and I'm not afraid of you. You know, you know the scene I'm talking about? Like that, like that was like, I felt it. Like I was experiencing that kind of thing for the first time because I, I was not, uh, I completely empathized. I, I was completely lost in the character. So I agree, Andrew. I agree with Andrew. Like uh, Oric is, is is so well written, and not just Oric. All the other characters were so good. Although ah, I didn't like uh, this when this person died. But anyway, um, I feel like I've been gushing too much. Let me let Steve uh, um, <laughs> guide the conversation. But like, yeah, yeah. No, as we can, it's it's an open open floor. And don't worry about that, Eric. Uh, I just want to get back to. Uh, uh, so boiled jellyfish is an instant five out of five. And uh, Andrew had a question about what made you choose Simon Vance as a narrator of the audio. He adds so much depth to the already great story. Actually, I, I thought he was asking if I had goosed Simon Vance. Oh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, choose. That makes more sense, doesn't it? Um, well, what happened the week, the week that Aching God came out, it made a little bit of a splash, and it and that was one hundred percent due to the fact that there were a few other uh, established self published authors who had uh, gotten me hooked up with some of their beta readers. So a lot of I got like I think there were a good thirty reviews published within the first couple of days. 
for people who had read the book, you know, before it had been released. So it had some ratings and it got some traction and it didn't, you know, tear up the world by any stretch of the imagination, but it got some attention. And during that time, uh, Phil um, Tucker, uh, who is is one of those uh, self-published authors who's a friend of mine who, who helped out with beta readers, um, put a bug in Victoria Gherkin's ear at uh, Podium and said, hey, I think this is a really great book and, and this would be it would make a great audio book. And so uh, that first week I got approached by by Victoria uh, from Podium. And, you know, at this point, my hope is, you know, that I'm maybe by the end of the year, it got released in April, I think, maybe by the end of the year, I will have made my money back and what I paid for an editor and artwork and all that other stuff. Um, you know, the idea of being approached by a, a company like Podium to to produce, you know, and have some, a real professional do the, the book. I mean, that was, that was, you know, I didn't even dream of that happening. And she asked me who I'd, I'd like to have as a narrator. And I said, well, Simon Vance or Derek Perkins would be awful nice. <laughs> you know, she said, just to, whoever you want, just whatever, you know. Yeah, I think my the first thing I said was Mark Rylance because he was uh, the actor who uh, who's he, he portrayed uh, uh, Oliver uh, not Oliver Cromwell the other Cromwell Thomas Cromwell in uh, Wolf Hall and masterpiece theory uh, theater uh, adaptation um, and that was really that's who I saw as as Orc and so originally I said well okay Mark Rylance. okay so she said okay let's come down a little bit. So, you know, superstar like Simon Vance, who's just, I, I mean, his his narration elevates my prose. One second. Yeah. Um, keep going. Elevates my prose in, in a way that just, it, I couldn't I couldn't be happier. It's, yeah. it's just a brilliant, brilliant performance. Um, so I just asked, I asked uh, Victoria and, and they said, they got him. And the way it works, generally speaking, for uh, for uh, voice actors, is when you sign on for uh, a book, you're you're it's it's more or less expected that you're you're on for the long haul for the trilogy. So it was like I knew that you know that Simon would be locked in for the rest of the trilogy. So when I heard the first one, it was like even just listening to the sample, um, <laughs> it's like this is amazing. This is a dream come true. So, yeah, I, I I got super lucky. I asked, I shot for the moon and 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 hit. So, super there lucky. Go. Gotta take your shot sometimes. Yeah. And uh, Strange Mentality uh, Paper says just down just downloaded this on Kindle Unlimited. So that's awesome. Yeah. By that's the nice. way, uh, Strange Mentality Paper is like an upcoming uh, writer. Like she had this short story I read yesterday. It was really good. Mm. Um, just the quality of the writing itself, and I'm glad to. I was glad to meet her, and uh, yeah, like just shouting her out. <laughs> oh, awesome. Yeah, and Andrew blames his phone for the typos, but we we know better. Yeah, <laughs> I actually suck. I actually suck at uh, spelling, man. Like that's like my nemesis right now. Writing, it's just like <laughs> I just I just keep going. I can't like once I'm like, eh, that doesn't look right. I'm just like, let me just keep writing. <laughs> uh, David mentioned the covers. I should I should also say that this these are not the the Aching God cover is not the original cover. The original huh. cover that I that I paid for was uh, universally panned as as not a good cover, <laughs> and uh, 
one of the things that Podium did when, you know, they Victoria very politely said, do you mind if we play around a little bit with a, with a cover? And so it's uh, Alexander uh, Rito, uh, who uh, works for Podium and doing uh, covers, um, went ahead and did the audiobook cover and then expanded that into a, a digital and, uh, and print version as well. So he's responsible for all three of these covers. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And uh, Brandon hey. Bennett says adding Aching God to his TBR for sure. David, David Desser, you're going to love this book. It's so dark. It's so dark. Like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't read it yet, but like, God damn it, man. God damn it. Like it is, it is, uh, if you love Grimdark, you, you love, you're not, you're not afraid of like, uh, uh thing it's like crazy if you're not afraid of guts you're not afraid of like darker aspect like you know you know like you know what i you know what i like um there was something when uh auric was uh before auric like got into action in the present moment i was i was kind of like hmm, how is this guy going to fare in battle because like i was imagining a scene in my head where like during battle he has uh like a moment he had like when he was trying to amputate the leg you know, but then like, well, I like the way things played out with the sword and it's just like, yeah, it's just like, it, it, there's a lot, there's a lot I can learn from your writing. And for anyone out there that like is, doesn't really read self-publishing like books, like highly, this book is really, really good. This book can stand up to any book out there. But I have I, a whole shelf here of self-published stuff by authors that are awesome that yeah, there's there's there is a renaissance of fantasy i think going on right now uh, and a lot of it i think is in the self-published realm because there are you know i think that in a lot of ways the traditional houses are behind the curve with uh, a lot of uh, of, of uh, new things happening new voices um it's they certainly started to try to get uh, some uh uh, writers of color, uh, right, with fantasy in, in, um, but there are a lot that, you know, I think someone like, uh, uh, oh, where is the book? Uh, Evan Winters, Rage of Dragons. Mm -hmm. That was self-published originally. Um, and it's a, it's a brilliant book. He's, he's a, he's a, an incredibly gifted writer. Um, it's no surprise that once, you know, the trad, uh, houses saw, you know, what this this man was capable of that they snarfed him up uh, right away, um, but uh, uh, I mentioned Tamandra White Castle. I love her work, the uh, the Living Blade trilogy, and she's right now uh, in the process of writing. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be if there's going to be another book or not, um, but uh, uh, Queens of the Weird um, is a Vikings mom uh, story that it's a Viking mom's going on an adventure and it's just, it's an amazing book. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, uh, I, uh, Shadows and Ivory by uh, uh, T.L. Greylock um, is the first in, I think a planned trilogy that is essentially the best way to describe it is uh, female uh, Indiana Jones in a kind of Renaissance uh, fantasy uh, setting super it, just a, a blast and uh, she had also written a of a, a, a norse inspired trilogy uh prior to that too that's excellent um so yeah they just i i could go on and on and on um 
Dirk Ashton's uh, Paternus trilogy, um, Phil uh, Tucker's, uh, uh, I, I should mention this be, because uh, Phil Tucker had a five book series, uh, the, the Chronicles of the, Bla- of the Black Gate. Excellent, excellent series. And it has just been released in digital format, all five in, a, in one uh, digital uh, book for I think I think five ninety nine maybe. Whoa, really? Yeah. So it's like wow. and and Phil is Phil is 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 a really gifted writer. I've I've never met anyone who writes battle scenes better uh, than than Phil. Um, so check that out. And I think he's got I think he's got a new one coming out soon. Well, I know he's got a new one coming out soon. Uh, it's uh, I think he's calling it Bastion. Uh, and I've actually got an advanced copy that I'm reading right now, and it's it's a blast. It's just a blast. Mike, so. uh, can I can I can I say something about you that I noticed like in the first uh, the first time we we messaged you, and this has nothing to do with books, but it's just like something I have uh, noticed about you. Every time like I'm gushing and I'm throwing like light on you, you're always like sharing it, like mentioning this other writer, mentioning that other writer, mentioning who helped you, you know, and uh, like uh, that, that, that makes me appreciate you, not just as a writer, but as a person. Like I, I noticed it the last time and I'm noticing it again. And I'm going to check out those books simply because you mentioned them. And I'm going to like, I was right. I wrote some of their names, but then I stopped. I'll just, I'll just watch this again. And I'll just like go down and check all of them out. Well, I'm no. from the, I'm from the Midwest, um, and uh, we're not supposed to uh, uh, get too big for our britches. So that might be a byproduct of that. And plus, just I mean, I I have a lot of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if some of it comes from the fact that you know I, the first book was published when I was fifty three, fifty four. Hmm. Um, so I'm fifty seven now, and finally have gotten you know this trilogy out something that I had, I had dreamed of, you know, for most of my life. And so I just, I feel an enormous amount of gratitude and, and I want to give shout outs to those people that, that helped me and, and, uh, be, and to highlight brilliant work. Hmm. Uh, Demi Harper's God of Gnomes. You must, you must go and read it. Um, Gnomes. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, By the I'm, way, I'm, she edited my first two books too. She edited. Uh, um, uh, okay. Yeah, she's out of the editing game now. I think because she's uh, she's uh, she's writing. Huh. So wow. Um, uh, you mentioned something, something very interesting to me. Um, like uh, you said, you did a lot less um, outlining. Well, not outlining. You did a lot less um, writing. Sin Eta and Idols Fall. They were a lot less organized than when you were writing Aching God. So I really liked, I really enjoyed like the pacing of the book and like the sequence of events and just like how you built everything pre-Barland and like while things were in the Barland. So how much outlining did you do for that? Like, did you like, was it like, did you, did you like uh, sit down, think about it and then write, okay, this is how it's going to start. And then this is what's going to happen next. And this is what's going to happen next. And if that's what you did, then like, what did you do different in Sin Eternal Idols for? Uh, I sat down and, uh, and wrote, um, wrote the dream sequence. At the beginning, that opens a book, which you know, because of course everyone tells you never start a a story with a dream, right? 
<laughs> um, and, and so, the, of course, that's what I do. Um, but I wrote that dream sequence. And then I, 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 I thought of kind of the, the course of the story. And I'm, I wrote a very, you know, maybe three or four sentences about this is what happens in this chapter. Then the next chapter, this is what happens in the next chapter, next chapter. So I basically, that was my outline. Uh, there are there are a lot of other writers who are, are a lot more detailed in the outlines they write. Um, but what I found happening is, you know, I thought that I was going to be more of a plotter that would really kind of have have things plotted out clearly. Um, but then what I found happening is that this discovery was ha was going on along the way. Uh, that sword didn't wasn't in the in, in the original outline. It was in the first draft. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it wasn't even in the original outline. Um, and it ended up becoming so central to the story. I mean, you see the sword on, on all three books, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the covers of all three books has got that sword at, at, at its center. Um, uh, and it wasn't, and, and Sin Eater and Idol's Fall didn't exist until I was about two, way, two thirds of the way through the draft of my first draft of, of Aging God. And then I realized, okay, this story's bigger than I thought it was. And I ended up, you know, some chapters ended up getting inserted where, okay, this, so this needs to happen. That's going to require another chapter. So here and there, I might, uh, I just found things going in directions I didn't expect. Um, one of the characters uh, that I, that I wrote uh, for a throwaway scene uh, in the, in the, uh, before meeting the queen, uh, Oric uh, bumps into uh, an aristocrat and has a conversation with her and that that was it that was supposed to be the the end of the end of the uh line for her as a character and then um she ended up poking her head into the next chapter when they're actually when they actually meet the queen and um she's one of the pov characters in the third book <laughs> it's like it's wow. like you know it wasn't that's this wasn't the plan at all and you know, and and it's it was it's so cool to see that happening. But that's of course when writing is flowing, and that's not the way things always are, as I found out in the next two books. So you know the thing, like first of all, how creepy was that queen? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> she was so she was so creepy. I, I she was so, so fun to write. My God, she was fun. I, to write. I enjoyed her as a character so much. I enjoyed her as a character so much, and uh, like. Um, like uh, how many more POVs did you did you add? Because if I remember correctly, it was just Oryx uh, POV we had in this one mostly. Right. Yeah. Although the first book it's almost ex I think it's uh, I think it's almost exclusively I think it's exclusively uh, Oryx mm -hmm. point of view. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. In Sin Eater, there are actually three points of view. Um, okay. I don't want to give away uh, who one of them is because it kind of gives away what happens in in this book, but. Um, Oric is is you know uh, as a as a point of view in in the, in the second book, and then we have another uh, major character, and then this kind of mysterious side character, who uh, we're not really sure what his deal is until deep into uh, in the Sin Eater, uh, but he his is the opening chapter, um, hmm. which I actually wrote immediately. That opening chapter I wrote that uh, for Sin Eater I wrote immediately after. I finished the first draft of Aching God because I knew what was, I knew this was going to, I'm, I'm on a roll. And you know, as part of me wishes that I just kept writing um, because, you know, there was a big, 
I don't know about other writers out there, but I have these horrific fallow periods after uh, after I finish uh, a, a, a novel, and not you know after the the draft is done because that there's all sorts of editing and 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 that keeps things rolling. But uh, once it's done and it's published, it's like oh, I can't, I couldn't, you know, I can't write my way out of a paper bag for for months sometimes. So I mentioned that that, that aching got the first draft was done in ten weeks for Sin Eater. It took me ten months to get the first draft done. That is still fast compared to some other writers. Yeah. So yeah. like that's still that's still very impressive. Like, uh, yeah. well, keep in mind, to... I thought I was going to be reading. I was going to be writing three novels a year. At the, you know, ten weeks here, ten weeks there, ten weeks there. I'll, yeah, I'll take a week off here. You know. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, uh, Strange mentality. Piper says, uh, "Mike, you should be a sports commentator. You have quite a great football announcer voice." Ah, thank you. And, uh, Sorry, Brandon hockey Bennett. is the only sport I care about. I'm, I'm afraid I couldn't do that. <laughs> uh, Brandon Bennett says Midwest represent and boiled jellyfish. I try to get at least 10 self-published books in a year. Hmm. hmm. Yes. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really like, uh, like I'm really, I'm really starting to incline towards um, uh, sell more self-published indie author type stuff than traditional published because I don't know a lot of the books that I read growing up were traditionally published and uh, depending on the 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 year that the book was um, published whether it's fantasy or it's sci-fi I can kind of see what was like trending to to mm-hmm. like what what the publishers were trying to push at that time i can literally i can maybe i can make a video about it but um like with uh self-published and indie authors what i'm finding is that that um that this that sense of um that sense of it's not even and it's not even a thing of predictability because the book can still be good if it's predictable but that sense of just like an idea that is not like uh, that wasn't uh, that isn't conventional. You know, it could still be. You could still like uh, be influenced by like the, all the books, the traditional books that you've read. But that freedom of writing, that freedom of just like this is what is in your imagination, and this is what I'm going to put out there, is something I'm starting to really, really enjoy about like uh, indie and self-published books. And uh, you you spoke earlier about like the book having a life of its own, like like when you were writing and everything. When I was reading, I felt it, like I felt it, like and when I say that, like I mean, like I was completely immersed in the world. I was com- like I did not, I was following. I didn't, I don't remember having to like uh, like because I listened to the audiobook. I don't remember having to rewind much as much as I did with some other books to like follow what was going on it just flowed in my head really well i have a question about a particular event in the book so and this is like what what was going through your mind when you did it and i want to contrast it to some to a book i read where like uh they 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 did some like uh from some setup for us to feel like the death of a character by like uh you know 
the character like the character's parents basically come to talk to him tell them how proud of he of 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 him they are and like yeah, he's and, a goner and then exactly <laughs> he was a goner like when 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 dell when dell like hugged Oric, i was like oh like my dad all the other stuff like i didn't like i i, I was still shocked when it happened like i did not even if it even if it is even if it's like uh even if it's out say it's like uh it's like a trend it's like a, it's like a it's like a setup to like what is going to happen like i didn't I didn't see what happened. Like I didn't, I wasn't able to predict that. When it happened, I was like, damn. And then I remembered, oh, that was when it that was when that is just to like put some more emotional weight. Yeah. On that. So like how how did you like 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 do you like your your masking of that was like how intentional was that? And like did you did you put like if it was intentional? Then, like, how did you how did you execute that so well? Um, I actually debated if I if that conversation needed to happen earlier, so it didn't feel like like exactly as you described, like, oh, someone's gonna die <laughs> as soon as you read that. Um, uh, but I, it, enough hadn't happened. There, the more more needed to happen in order for that conversation to occur. And, uh, you know, the people were the, uh, another thing, you know, some people complained about what went what went on at the White Priory, like, the, oh, politics, that's boring and and move along. We want to get to the dungeon. Right. <laughs> um, and I actually actually that's the kind of stuff fascinates me. That's why probably why we spend so much time uh, fiddling with that. But, um, yeah, I decided that uh, to, to leave that there, that. um but yeah, I, I I I punched that up, knowing that you know she was a goner. <laughs> so you know that was on that was absolutely deliberate. Hmm. Um, and of the care, I mean, of the characters that you know, almost all the other the other people in in Orc's party are are young people, right? Uh, Bellic yeah. is the only one who's who's uh, is his age. Um, but his uh it felt to me that he and Dell had the most uh parent child kind of relationship um because Sierra is real is really more of a confidant and an encourager um despite the fact that she's the youngest one in the in the group um uh and and so it just made sense to to kind of punch at um the estrangement in Oric's relationship with his own daughter Agnes, who's, you know, is in a coma back in in uh, in Bowden. Um, so, yeah, I, I some of this was echoing, trying to echo some of those relationship uh, dynamics and and realizing that Oric is feeling feels a lot of guilt about where things are at with Agnes. Sure. Um, so. Sure. Wow. Like, um, so usually when I'm reading a book, I am comparing if I read a moment where like I am emotionally like uh, affected, like 
uh whether i'm like nah this doesn't make sense or i'm irritated or i'm sad or i'm like damn like really you know i always uh if i pause in a book because of an emotional moment like that i always pause to think what were the intentions of the writer and are they is it aligned with how i feel because when you're writing a book you're basically trying to conduct the emotion of your readers right so i and that's how i judge if writing is good and a lot of the times right like um like uh i asked you that question because i didn't see the death coming and when it happened right i was like hmm like i read it back again and then just to like just to like read it with with that lens and i was like very good execution very good execution yeah that shouldn't have happened when it did right i mean that, that that there weren't they weren't supposed to be in danger yet yes yes so that I was think another that's probably thing. one exactly. of the reasons why it was exactly. yeah. yes maybe yes actually i didn't even think about that because they were not supposed to be in danger like stuff it wasn't like it was not something you would anticipate you know so like if it was okay she said it and they were, there was a, like a war the next day then i'm like oh shit. <laughs> you know so like uh yeah like like yeah yeah like i'm telling as a writer like i've really really like learned a lot just reading this book because when i'm reading it there's a part of my part that's just like a reading fan and then there's the aspiring writer in me that's like okay like this is like how did he do that okay this has this payoff has already happened now let me look back at the execution and the the setups that were like laid down mm -hmm. so it's like yeah like uh, i really really enjoy and uh let me not talk like yes yes good execution thank you and uh epic you mentioned the dialogue and that's something with and when i hear this book described as epic fantasy i when i think of epic fantasy i kind of think it's cheesy dialogue and really predictable and <laughs> I, that did not feel like an epic fantasy to me because when I think of epic fantasy, I think I really dialogue in this black and white type of good and bad thing that really everything's really clear and there's good guys and there's bad guys. But I didn't feel that way at all in this book. I felt the dialogue was um, wasn't like wasn't predictable. There was no eye rolling on my part. So it was really well really well done on the dialogue. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, um... When I think of categorize that, I really see it more as dark fantasy. Yeah. I mean, I think there's an epic quality of, of some of the, the story. And certainly as the story continues, it, it, I think it becomes more epic. This, this you know, Aching God, I think, is a self can, can be seen as a self-contained novel. I think people can safely read this and I think they'll have a satisfying ending right to and set it down they don't need to read anymore if they don't want to um and it builds beyond but i i see it more as dark fantasy and and not as grim dark because um my the way that i think of grim dark is no good deed goes unpunished is basically <laughs> what grim dark is right and uh and i i want there to be orc was written as an unmitigated good guy he's a good man trying to do his best. He doesn't always succeed, but he's doing his best to be a good man and to grow and to, and to, and to be a source of, of, of good in the world. And, and that's not, that doesn't always lead to disaster. 
so 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 for me right for me right what i like about grip dark is that it it makes fun it's like it was a genre of fantasy that kind of makes fun of the tropes there's no plot armor there's no and that is what i appreciate about it right and you describe it as no good deed comes to like no good deed goes unpunished for me right it's like it it feels it feels grounded so if you're trying to make fun of the fantasy trope where there's where there are armor plots and uh you're keeping it grounded then i don't want you to feel just because someone sounds heroic means like when they lunge at the dragon the dragon isn't just going to swallow them you know what i mean Mm-hmm. so there's there's more there's more so even like so um with aching god i felt even like it's dark fantasy right but i felt that ground that that groundedness with the character he wasn't like there's sometimes when you're reading some fantasy books you get the sense that the writer is writing like some scenes to show how good the character is right and sometimes is in contrast to a character like you are you're pairing him up like against maybe he's having an argument with someone that is supposed to be his superior and the, the argument is okay let's kill everyone that is like the, the greater good and then this main protagonist comes and is like well but we can't kill anyone like because uh positivity and let's just hope and that's not how stuff works, you know. Like, it, so that first of all is like this fake, this dialogue that doesn't make sense. Then it's like the logic of the character; you can't empathize with it. But you're like, okay, he's good, so let's just go with that. Like, but with Auric, he was so grounded, so 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 grounded. And like, I didn't, and I really like that I read this book because I was able to actually pinpoint because I had no problems with Auric as a character. I was able to pinpoint it. But that groundedness that I that is in Grimdark, I felt it here. But Auric is a good character and I can see why it why you would uh why why it it, it is dark fantasy and not Grimdark. But the groundedness I enjoy in Grimdark, I mm-hmm. felt it here as well. Okay. Wow, that was long winded. I feel like I could have said that in like See, this is why it's how this is what happens when you hang out with me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Long gambling, yeah. <laughs> but and like, there's yeah. vulnerability there too in your yes, and it's you realistic. Know, you don't really find it, yeah, it's 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 realistic. He's not like, he's not written as a Christ type of character. He's not written like as flawed. He has like, and his mm-hmm. flaws aren't just dead. Like sometimes, like. <laughs> Sometimes when you're reading a book, right, it feels so mechanic. It's like, okay, I want a good character, but let me put flaws so that I can balance him. No, like that's not how it is. Like the flaws have to feel natural as well. You know what I mean? And like, just like him having his PTSD and um, like, uh, I feel like the psychological, um, the psychological uh, impact of his experiences in the past and how they were playing in the future also it was something that also grounded him so much as well and yes like it, it's it's uh, there are so many positive things about this book that i really really appreciated when i was reading it thank you and, and mike have you thought about writing a horror book because these nightmare sequences were <laughs> They were, so they were so graphic they were so describing the sucking sounds and oh my god yeah well, I, think, <laughs> I think that 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 um all three books have a, a reasonably strong horror element mm-hmm. uh to them 
And again, I, I wanted to punch up the the, the fact that yeah, shambling uh, animated corpses are horrifying. <laughs> We're not just you know we don't just walk on uh, from that. That's something that 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 scars us. And and so yeah, I think that the, I I love horror. I, I've I've read a lot of horror, and I mean I people probably can feel the kind of Lovecraftian vibe in in uh, in in Aching God. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a huge, you know, read just about everything Stephen King's ever written and uh, laid, or Laird Barron and um, some other uh, folks that I, I, uh, I read. I, I love horror. So I think, uh, you know, I think there's a, there's a decent amount uh, woven into uh, this. I think I, I, there's part of me that thinks if I'm going to write a horror story, it needs to be... Uh, in the present day. I'm not sure why. And that intimidates me. Um, uh, I like to be able to create my own world where I don't have to worry about um, uh, as much about, uh, you know, the way the modern world. Yeah. The Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. You know, like, uh, there was something there was something I was holding on to. I wanted to ask you. Um let me see, what was it? I can't remember what it is. But um with your like what 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 books, right? I know you mentioned Stephen King, you mentioned Lovecraft, you mentioned like all these guys that you've read, like horror and everything. But like what 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 books specifically inspired this one? Hmm. Good question. Um I think a lot of it came from my experience playing our, you know, writing for RPG and playing an RPG and my uh and my work with uh with people with with uh, panic and, and, and trauma um, in terms of, uh, and also, I mean, I think I was influenced by uh, writers like Michael Moorcock and, and uh, uh, Gene Wolfe, uh, I think is a book of the oh, book of the new sun is I, I love book of the new sun. Um, people find the prose a little impenetrable, I think. Um, you have to have a lot of patience because he's also using a lot of archaic terms and uh, sometimes you can get lost in that. But uh, I see that as a, as a pretty serious influence on, on, on what I do. Um, so, yeah, I, I would, I would say that uh, uh, Fritz Leiber's stuff, I hmm. think was, was influence as well. Hmm. Um, so yeah, some, could you, old school, old, some old school fantasy, I think. Yeah. yeah, could you remind me, like you, 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 you're also like an avid reader of like history and everything. What time periods influenced like this? Because you, you, you met the last time. I don't know if it was on screen or before right. screen or after um, screen. But my, like what, my in, yeah, my interest in history uh, started when I was a teenager. I really got fascinated with late Republican and early Roman history. And, you know, I got a whole shelf over here of all, you know, Roman history books. 
but that's that branched off into other eras. Um, the Italian Renaissance uh, in the last 10 years has been a lot, a big, big interest of mine. Tudor England, um, uh, the American Civil War, uh, feudal Japan, um, uh, those are probably those are the the big eras that I'm I've I've been most fascinated with. Um, uh, this if you if you really want you want something that's going to curl your hair, uh, uh, read the history of the papacy. The papacy. Um, the papacy. The 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 Catholic Church hierarchy. Oh, yeah, uh, I've Woo, read it. That's I've that's I've, I've read I've read a little bit of that. Now I'll, my next question is like your take on religion in the book was very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I like uh how I like how you're able to write like religion from like multiple perspectives. So like from the perspective of the zealot, from the perspective of someone who doesn't believe, the perspective of a scientist, you know, I like how how everything is just mixed in there. And like, I can see like different parts of myself in each of them. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I was, uh, uh, once a, a person of, of, of faith, a much stronger person of faith and I'm, uh, no longer, uh, but I certainly, um, have a lot of empathy for, for people of faith and, and, and certainly support people uh, in their in their beliefs if it helps them to live healthy, good lives. Um, so that stuff, but despite the fact that I'm no longer a person of faith, that stuff still really fascinates me, and how it how it affect how it impacts uh, cultures, how it impacts people in the in, uh, the behavior of individual people. Um, you know, our beliefs guide the, a lot of the, the choices that we make. So I, I think that, um, you know, if there if there are gods in the world that really are, we can tangibly see their impact on the world, right? Um, you know, an atheist in in Aging God is someone who just doesn't believe that the gods really give a rip. <laughs> you know, that they're not that they're doing their own thing, and all this you know this worship thing is you know it's it's a waste of time. So it's not that they disbelieve in the existence of of gods. They, I think, they dis, disbelieve uh, that the gods have re any real interest in in humanity. Hmm. Um, that's like yeah. agnostic. That's like agnostic belief. That's an agnostic belief. Yeah. 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 Or you think of the the uh, the alchemist Lumari. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's definitely someone who's like, I don't have time for this in my life. I've got other things. Yeah. I got bigger fish to fry than trying to figure out what the gods want. I know. I love. I love when she told the old blind guy, "Yo, stop speaking in riddles, man. Give it to us straight." <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have time for it, you know. And uh, when, uh, uh, what's his face, um, Auric was describing his relationship with religion, and she was like rolling. She was basically rolling her eyes at him, like, "Yeah, right." Because like his his actions and his words were not quite resolute, were not quite mm -hmm. like in 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 line with with uh, with with her understanding of what a true agnostic is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. See, just nuances, just nuances that I just really enjoyed. What, what were you saying? 
Oh no! Sorry, I was just gonna say that the the build up was one of my favorite parts of the book uh, because all this build up of what's going to, what's going to happen, what are we gonna find there? We need to find out what these other people experienced and uh, why are all these things happening? That was my favorite part of the book is the build up because it wasn't yeah. just okay, let's go there and be heroes. It was this is you know you, you felt. Yeah their anxiety and their fear as we got closer every every step of the way. Yeah. And that's again, uh, and, and, you know, to each his own, you know, and this is not going to connect with everybody. Right. But people who have, you had complaints were about, you know, why did it take so long for us to get to that? You know, they saying that, you know, boy, you don't, they don't even get into the dungeon until uh, 85% of the way through this book. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to write 600 pages about crawling around in the dark. I mean that's that doesn't that doesn't strike me as particularly interesting, it, you know it it, it it I I'm I'm more interested in in the lore behind it and the politics involved in getting there and 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 really kind of the anticipation and that that was a big point of some of this is it was building toward what's going on here and some people have also seen some of the the ending as as anticlimactic, right that 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 there was an expectation of 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 something bigger happening um, and also complaining about it kind of a, of a, you know, um, uh, uh, what's the uh, Duke's ex machina uh, the, that this, the sud, how they just got this, this thing, this sword popped in that was exactly what they needed. <laughs> That's just a little too neat, you know, and it, and, and, you know, keep reading. <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. know something like, uh, like, uh, I know like the build up was good, but, uh, I, I, I feel like it was not just the build up. Like it was not just the, the moments that were, that, that kept you asking what is going on in this world, but also how you were unveiling the information. Now, like, uh, I have no problem with that because, um, like for me, like I was well, I was well cooked. Like by the time I was like ready, I, I did not have a problem with the pacing at all. I didn't have a problem. And I kind of suspected that like the, the sword didn't just pop out of it, didn't just pop out for popping out sick, just like, ah, just, just exactly what you needed. You know, like if, uh, if I have to, if I have to guess you know like uh and uh don't tell me if i'm right or if i'm wrong but uh <laughs> i would say i would say the first time he went to the bar land like he was actually marked you know he was actually marked and um like uh when he when he he came out like and everything like the thing was still kind of haunting him so it wasn't it was kind of like uh set up for for him to to not set up, but like there were, there was like a bigger hand, like controlling the events as far as like, uh, because why would, uh, why would, uh, like the, the dude, the Duke that gave it to him was kind of like going crazy. You know, it could have been like an effect of the sword and, uh, like mm. trying to find mm. like it's rightful, like, uh, the person to wield it. And it's kind of like connected to, like the fact that uh, Auric was in the barland before and some kind of like wet connection here and there. But like, I did not, like, I trust the way you unveiled information and the way everything else happened in the book. I already trust you as a writer 
to like I didn't even think of it as a problem you know I didn't even I just kept re reading you know so you said yeah yeah I'll just really uh, just really quick uh one thing epic I know you'll agree with me on is that there were no info dumps there were no info dumps info dump. so that's a not everyone no, agrees no, with you no 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 there was there was there was there was exposition but it wasn't I won't call it an info dump yeah an info dump is like just like you just throwing up like information and then to a certain level this is where it's this is where it's needed to and you just keep piling up upon it and then like you're in the meantime you're out of your characters and now the people that say that haven't read enough books to to, to make that comment like are you kidding me like uh but um my point is no no this because it's and so you said you said you are not going to write like um you said you were not going to write like a 600 page book like where it's uh that is just like crawling in the dark and everything so did you have like an idea of how large you wanted the book to be like do you have like a workout did you say i want it hmm so like i don't know yeah and it, it it was it became as long as it was it it did big to tell the story so yeah i had no idea again this is my first novel who knows how long these things are supposed to be you know and i know fantasy books tend to be thicker but i think they tend to be thicker because uh you're building a world in a way that in, in a lot of other uh uh fiction you you don't have the same level of responsibility right for for creating the entire world around it um and you know something you know something else you know something else i feel like uh for the people that didn't really for the people that didn't um appreciate how long all that like maybe like maybe an advantage i have was because i read barrowland because in barrowland okay is it would it be counted as a spoiler to steve you know what i won't talk about it but like there were questions that like i wanted that i wanted answers to there that i got in this book but in this this book talks about this book tells you what happened barland showed you what happened like showed you at least like right okay what i would really recommend steve what you should do right now is pick up uh the uh lost lore uh uh collection of short stories lost lore um and there's a story in there the the story epics referring to is in there it's free um so uh it won't cost you a dime uh Barrowlands is essentially uh, a prequel uh, yeah. story. It's about, can, right. about 10,000 words. Yeah. And uh, um, there are, uh, yeah, the, one, of the, one of the characters is never named um, yes. yeah. in the story. But uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see what your experience would be of Barrowlands having read Aching God, because that's originally what I, I had originally written Barrowlands as, um, as a, as a, uh, prologue of no, as actually a, um, a teaser, get people to sign up for a newsletter ah. to get people to sign up for my newsletter. And then this opportunity came to, to, to get it in this anthology. Um, incidentally, there's a ton of other great, self-published authors in this, that lost lore anthology. Um, uh, but I, it'd be interesting for people who've read Aiken God to then pick up Barrowlands and what their experiences of that 
um, I'd be interested because Epic came at it by by having Red Barrel Lands first. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I, I know you were advising we read Aiken God first. Why? Because I feel like I kind of uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if because um, uh, when I read the effect it, uh, reading Barrel Lands first had on me was that the dreams were a lot more interesting because in my mind i was like okay okay hmm right oh oh you know so <laughs> so it's like uh yeah I, but 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 why did you want people to read aching god first because i know you um, said maybe because that's how they were written i wrote aching god first and then barrel lands came afterwards um ah. and uh uh because i wanted to answer some questions for people of what you know what really what what did it look like? Um, and I, I don't want to give any more away for, about that. That I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. read Barrel Lands. Um, and incidentally, it's available as an audiobook too yeah. with Simon Vance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like doing it. Steve, the audiobook is like an hour. Yeah, about an, an hour. hour. Yeah, it's not like yeah, yeah so you I, can do it like you can read it like that. Yeah, yeah I don't know if you'd I don't know if you'd want to uh, to uh, spend a whole credit on uh uh on an hour uh but uh simon vance is awesome man uh, he does yeah, a great job with the short story too uh, as you guys were talking i just got the kindle version so nice yeah. nice yeah nice. and then what what i'll have you do then after you guys read sin eater um i'm gonna have you read a short story i would have you read a short story in uh another collection called heroes wanted also, uh, digital version is is free, um, and the word the the story in that is is uh, final word, and it is uh, a character from Aching God who makes an appearance again in Idols Fall. Uh, a, fantasy, a fantasy anthology. Yes, Heroes uh, Wanted. Yeah, and I'll post all the links here uh, when we're done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was very uh, I was very uh i was very you know like i liked each and i liked each and every one of the characters that went on the journey like at the start and uh yeah like i was a little i was not not disappointed in a critique kind of way but like disappointed when like uh one of them turned out to be like uh like a betrayer like when when mm -hmm. i forget their names but like when that dude mm -hmm. betrayed um like the crew uh, I found him hilarious. I found him absolutely hilarious, you know, and there was a story he didn't tell, but uh, like the way you describe it, he, he just told like the premise of the story and then the time skip and everyone was laughing. And mm -hmm. I, want, I, I was hoping you like, uh, you could tell us uh, with a story if, if you, if you ever wrote it. <laughs> uh, my guess is, is that his story is bullshit. That yeah, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I think but, it had uh, something to do with, like, he said he had to kill two of the giants and seduce another or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. The, uh, I mean, actually, right now, I am, I like I said, I'm in one of those fallow periods now after I've, I've hardly done any writing since Idols Fall. Um, but I've been doing a lot of planning. And I actually am, and considering I had done, had this, this sequel trilogy that, uh, that takes place 200 years after the events of of uh, iconoclasts in my head. That's that I will eventually write it. 
Um, but I'm wondering, I might be turning to writing a short story collection that is oh, cool. uh, an iconoclast collection. So both Barrowlands and and Final Word will be included in it, but a number of other stories that um, either are referred to in iconoclasts uh, or uh, gives us some more background on some things. I have uh, what it might probably would be a novella set in Ashkea, uh, the uh, the uh, the Empire of Hanifax's traditional uh, enemy, Eastern enemy. Um, I've got um, and a couple of other things. Uh, I think that there's a, there's a mention of the uh, of the tale of Doctor Frexies not just being a, a, a stage play that it was a real thing that happened. That another short story that that I plan I plan on writing. So I might be doing a collection of short stories, and and uh, the tentative title of it will yeah Epic will will probably appreciate it since he's read Barrowlands. But the the collection is, would be called uh, Hold Tight, My Beloved. Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I know what it's. I think I know what 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 it is. I um, ah, I don't want to spoil it for Steve. But yeah. uh, a question. So I know that like anyone who reads Aking God and loves it as much as I do, or like loves the book, is gonna want to read Sin It Eater. Now Aking God right has a uh, one POV right, and the character work is absolutely insane. Like um. I've read another book, Blood Song. I don't know if you read it, but um, ah, that's a really yeah, good book. Yeah, Anthony Ryan, Blood Song is a really good book. And he also had one POV and he wrote one of like the most badass characters in fantasy as far as I'm concerned, you know. Um, in the next book, he had multiple POVs. And even if the character work was still very good on each of those POVs, a lot of his uh, a lot of his uh, readers complained that they missed just they missed it when it was just like the main character because just like switching things up like that was jarring. I already like the fact that you said you did less planning. I like when you did less planning, which is like a good direction, but. Something Anthony Ryan also did in his second book is that he did a lot more planning, a lot more plotting, in contrast to the first book that was just very character based. So, mm -hmm. like, have you gotten any complaints about Sinita like that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mm -hmm. um, yeah, some some people really enjoyed spending an entire you know book in one person's head, and there are certainly advantages. Uh, to telling a story that way and the, and the anking god that was the i think that was the way that needed to be told um but the the rest of the series is bigger than auric hmm. and and his point of view wouldn't be sufficient to tell this story hmm. um so uh you know part of the thing when you when you get criticism of 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 a book um some of it you take with a grain of salt. The part I take with a grain of salt is the contradictory feedback. Like I have people who 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 praise the the character, the characters, and just get feeling like they were very well written. Really got to know these people, and then other people saying who read Aching God who said that you know Ark was the only character you really know, find out anything about. Everyone else is a two dimensional, uh, you know, caricature. Um, and so when you get both, when you get feedback, both things, you look at that and, and you're not really sure what to do with it. Uh, 
Um, and, you know, I, I, the conclusion I've come to with some of this is that, you know, some of this stuff is just not going to, some, some people is just going to, are going to bounce off of it and there's nothing I can do about that. And I've got, it's, it's gotta be okay. Um, for those who are, have been disappointed in just, um, just an orc centric kind of story, um, that it's, that's because they have reacted, I think, to the other major voice in the second book, um, that it was, it's a very different character. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, again, it would be a spoiler to say who it is. Um, but, um, uh, you know, people say, uh, they found, they found this character annoying or immature. And it's like, well, yeah, the character isn't, uh, a 51 year old knight. You know, it's someone who's who's much younger than that, and much yeah. less experienced, and and ha- you know, and still coming to grips with some things. Of course, you're going to find this person annoying at times. Um, but you know, there are a lot of people then who really resonate with 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 uh, hearing more voice, more voices, and getting you know deeper into some of the you get deeper into the politics and the religion of of the world. And just kind of seeing where this thing is headed. Um, so yeah, definitely some people complained about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I could have told Sin Eater uh, the same way the Aching God was told. Yeah. And uh, and Idols Fall, there are even more points of view. And mm-hmm. I uh, I mean, I've, and there are some complaints about that. Right? Mm-hmm. And and for me, it was like this is it's it's just ramping up because the story is getting bigger. Bigger, just, yeah. It's, it's this, a natural. It's a natural progression. You know, it's a natural progression. It's. Uh, yeah. I mean, like if you if you if you're going to expand the world, like you because you, you said you didn't even realize how big it was going to be until you finish it. It can go there like, holy shit, it could get even bigger. And of course, like I, I, I think it's a it's a very it's a very it's a very natural progression. So I don't I don't I don't have I don't necessarily have a problem with that. It's just like um, it's just like. Uh, it's good to know. It's good to know because when I read um, Blood Song, like I got that feeling, like, and I was like, eh, I still really liked the characters, but then I was by the end of the by the end of the by the end of the trilogy, I liked somebody else more than I liked Villain, you know. Which at, after I read Book One would have probably been impossible, but um, yeah, like I'm looking forward to reading. Uh, I'm really looking forward to reading the the next couple of books. Now, there's something I find about trilogies, right? That um, I do not necessarily. I don't know how I feel about. So um, a lot of oh, well, we are not on idols for yet, but usually on the third book, right? There's um, there's uh, you know, okay, this is the last book. Everyone knows this is the last book. Everyone knows it's going to end, and then things become a lot more predictable because you're you're in that mindset of okay now the writer is trying to like tie up all the plot ends and then when that happens easier to see the plot strings easier to see the setups and everything so is that something you are aware of when you were writing or is that something you 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 just like you just you just wrote the book um 
I what I liked about these this story is I think that there's some really surprising turns and twists that happen. Um, in Aching God, the twists are about finding out what happened on that first expedition into the same place that they're going into, and that things happen very differently from what they, you know, what their understanding was, and and um, the twists in Sin Eater and Idols Fall, I think, are are a little more epic in scale. Hmm. And uh, when I see someone saying, you know, it was predictable. I, you know, my my reaction <laughs> is to say, really, this is what you predicted was going to happen? Because I sure as hell didn't know this was going to happen when I started writing it. Um, so, you know, I, I had some ideas of where this was headed, and I, I knew that I knew the grand, you know, the 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 grand resolution of this, what it was going to look like. I knew where the story was going. It's not. I don't want to give the impression that it was just this meandering, and I've. You know, I just had this sense it was going to be a trilogy. No, I, I knew what was going to happen in this in each book, in in broad strokes. Um, but all but a lot of the twists that ended up happening, no, the, that was that was a lot more organic, and um, and I think that most people are going to be reasonably surprised by when they read the 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 last full chapter of. Idols fall. I don't think it's going to resolve the way people necessarily were expecting it to resolve. Hmm. Um, and you know, looking at where the character started, and, and that—that's the other thing. And people talking about character arcs and who grows and who doesn't grow, and and people have different opinions about that. And um, I, I think I'm I'm old enough and I've been around long enough to be able to just say, you know. I have I have written this these books and they are released into the wild and people are going to do with them and interpret them the way they they will and they'll say that all oh, that you know I didn't even get to know any of these other characters they're all two dimensional and other people will say oh man I really felt you know even though it was one point of view I really felt like I got to know well who's right well yeah you, you know something you know something I read in a book that like helped me like the get the courage to even like put, start putting out my work and write a couple of short stories here and there is that it said something about like when you when you it doesn't matter what kind of art you're doing like writing is an art by itself so like I'll use say it in context to writing so once you write a book uh, you put it out there it no longer belongs to you <laughs> it no longer belongs to you you can it's like you can't really like your your like the enjoyment of being an artist is not from uh, it doesn't come from uh feedback the validation is very is very good to get when you get it but your fulfillment as a writer is when you is when you're is when you're actually writing you know and a good mentality to have is that once i put it out there it doesn't belong to me anymore because everyone is going to like uh everyone is going to come with their expectations and everyone is going to come with like uh they are going to probably imagine it different you know they are they 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 their tastes are going to be different so it's like i don't really i don't really care what like i don't i don't read a book off like reviews on the internet where it's like 
because there, there are some people that literally, like I told Steve the other day when I started my YouTube channel, a so-called friend of mine carried my YouTube channel and took it to a website and paid people. He actually gave people money to like drop hateful comments and dislike. So my first video was bad, 100%, but like it did not deserve the amount of hate it got. So I don't really like, I would get a review from, I choose my books based on like, uh, based on who I trust. So I trust Steve, for instance. If Steve tells, says this book is good, he tells me it's fantasy, he tells me it's grimdark, um, it's on my TBR, it's high up my TBR, you know? So there are two things you said I'm really excited about. First of all, is that you said um, that you are, you are surprised. Some people um, um, uh, said it was predictable. Now, predictability is not even bad if it's ex executed well. You know, it's not bad if it's like, that's first of all. Second of all, is that like the fact that you said you were, you'll be surprised to see just Red Akingo. Can't wait for the next one. Yo, man, ah, I appreciate, I appreciate it. But uh, like, and and uh, something else is that, uh, like, uh, the fact that you said even you, you're surprised that people saying it's predictable because of how you wrote it. So I, I'm actually even more curious to read it and see what, um, how things resolve. I, I smart authors. Um. <laughs> Don't read their reviews, I'm sure. Um, I'm not one of them. I, I'm not one of those people who, who wrote this and said, well, you know, I, I understand on an intellectual level that, yes, this belongs to the world. I've re released it into the wild and I have to, you know, I'm going to got to take the good with the bad. But I want to know, I, I wrote this because I want to share a, a story with, with people. Right. I, I mean, the fact that I came on here today isn't all about ego. Um, you know, it's also but I genuinely want to hear what people's experiences have been. And it's great if it's if it's positive, you know, it, but if people weren't didn't it didn't uh, didn't hit them right or for whatever reason, you know, that they, they bounced off of it. Um, that's OK. I mean, I mentioned um, some of the the uh, the writers that I that I am friends with who have given my stuff a try and it just it's not for them hmm. and yet i still respect their feedback i still respect them as writers they're still my friends um they're not you know unnecessarily cruel or or uh uh, uh thoughtless about you know uh feedback that might be painful to hear uh, i think of one person in particular who who doesn't care for my stuff who has given me excellent excellent feedback that i think think has really improved my writing um so I, I it's not that like all we need to get is praise i want to hear people engaged with this and if the, if the books piss people off or they they don't like how something was done that's okay i mean i'm i'm willing to hear that i'm fascinated the fact that people have invested time and money <laughs> In, in my words, is an honor and a thrill. Hmm. You know, that we, you know, we can't, there's no way to get around it. Some people are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they're they 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 are they will pronounce that this is a terrible book and that is a, that is a fact. It's not my opinion, it's a fact. And uh, you know, people of good taste will not enjoy this. I mean, what you were talking about, Epic, is the fact that. You saw, you know, Steve is someone who 
uh, has has judgment that you trust. Yes. He says something is is worth your time. Okay, I know what Steve st- steered me toward be- toward in the past. I trust him. Right? We got we we have similar feelings about this. I've got other writer friends who love my stuff. Right? Um and that feels good. It's great to get affirmation. Uh we need it. Um god, I you know I you know this is such a solitary activity. Writing is so solitary in so many ways. The opportunity to have this kind of dialogue about your work, when the hell else are you going to get something like that? This is this is a blast for me to be able to talk about this stuff because, um, which is why I will be here the next two times. Barring, barring, just because it's, 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 it's thrilling for me for people to invest uh their 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 time their and their and their their passion in in something that i've created i mean it's just it's a gift it's a mm, gift yeah. so. and you know there was this whole thing at the one time about oh should uh, authors engage with uh their their audiences or should they keep like a respectful distance and all that stuff as as like when I become a writer, like I want to talk with people about it. I want to tease things. I want to like see what they think. I want to I want to hear them tell me this is their favorite character and like tell me why that's their favorite character. I want them to make predictions. You know, like that's that's the value. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be like good like uh, my brother doesn't even like my book you know <laughs> so like i'm going to give right to it anyway but like my point is like uh i i uh i i i i i 100 understand where, where you're coming from like that like where because when you're writing it you're by yourself and you're trying to like express yourself and you're working on your prose and your your has the story does it make sense or do i need to change this part like it's such it's and it's only by yourself and then you get feedback here you get feedback negative positive negative positive you you pick and choose which you know and then you i've got some like great feedback from someone that only reads ya for instance you know Mm -hmm. so it's like I, i i know I know what you're talking about. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and you know, talking about getting positive feedback, it's great to hear. But now and again, you'll get something like uh, Sarah Chorn is a uh, is self-published fantasy author and also is has a review blog. And she she really liked Taking God, and her her review was just music to my ears because it was kind. Of, it was one of those reviews that says that said, yes, she got exactly what I was going for, right? And not every reader is going to be like that. You know, there are other people who've read it where they, yeah, they didn't quite get what I was what I was going for, what my intention was, but they enjoyed it. Cool. But, you know, Sarah's, Sarah's review just, it was like, oh my God, she, it's like, yes, this is what I, this is exactly what I intended. And it, it's beautiful when that happens. Hmm. So, one other thing I wanted to comment on about what you said, and you you said you said it a couple times, Epic, and the idea of when you're when you become a writer, dude, you're already a writer, right? Wow, and you. it's it's well, it's not, I'm dude, I, it's not. I, I haven't read any of your stuff, right? So it's not like I, I can comment on if if it's something that resonates for me, but you are writing. Therefore, you are a writer. The idea that somehow uh, someone else needs to validate that for us is bullshit. If you want to create, you work on your craft, you write. 
you work on your craft to hopefully, you know, the, the idea is I don't stop growing until they put me in the ground that I am going to learn and be, and become a, a more interesting, better person as I, as I go. And I, hopefully my, my writing improves and uh, from book to book and, but you're already a writer, dude. Thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> well said, Mike. And uh, thanks, Victor for, and uh, Brandon for watching. So, Epic, uh, now that Mike's going to try and make the next one, you're hosting the next one, right? Uh, sure. Sure. Hey, I'll, host right? Yeah. I'll host I'll the just, next was, one. Uh, okay. Epic's going to be hosting the next one. Hopefully, I have my review for the first one. I would like to know your thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Sure. But like, Let me know. I'm because I'm, uh, I want you to see the animation. I'm learning some really crazy stuff with animation right now, trial and error. But like, yeah, I feel like by the time I get to Aching God, mm, the anim- my my skill level will be something else. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, uh, I'll punch this up again talking about self-published writers self-published writers absolutely depend on word of mouth Mm -hmm. um some are do some advertising i do zero advertising i don't do any uh any paid advertising now and again i'll do a sale um but for the most part all the traffic that gets driven in my direction is from readers saying i dig this and so if you like something that someone has written, traditional or self-published, shout it from the mountaintops. Mm-hmm. Write a, you know, do ratings, write a review at Amazon at Goodreads, um, post something on our fantasy. Um, you know, your uh, people's mileage vary, but I found that when when I see an uptick in sales when someone posts something to our fantasy um uh you know they they dug it they they post hey people read this book um and it's like it's you know sometimes i'll be looking at my my book report which is an app for tracking sales for uh on amazon um and i'll see oh wow what's what's happening today and sure enough uh you know i'll find that someone posted a review somewhere and people are responding to that so that's definitely a way to kind of influence uh, what's being read by whom and, and what word is getting out. Uh, we depend on writers, depend on readers. How's that for uh, a, a, a bit of wisdom? Okay. Hmm. I, well, I hope you see an uptick. And for anyone who is thinking about getting the paperback version, because I read the Kindle oh. limited version while I was at work when I should have been working. And I have to stay at home, so I don't, uh, you know. Well, you hope you weren't an air traffic controller or anything like that, Steve. No, no, it was it was during my lunch break, but uh, yeah. But it's a great, it's a great physical copy. So anyone who is thinking about getting the physical copy, the cover and the stock and everything is perfect. I didn't worry about creasing the spine because I'm weird about that kind of stuff. So anyone who's thinking about getting it, it's a fantastic, sturdy uh, paperback copy. So. So my policy with like uh, hardcover books like uh, paperback is uh, like uh, I don't get I buy the Kindle version like and then if I like it, if I feel like this is something I can reread, then I buy the the paperback. And then when I'm reading it, I enjoy it like I'm reading like uh, like I enjoy it like how it was the old school way. I I strongly support buying multiple versions of the same. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Awesome. 
Well, thanks, Mike, for coming to, to talk, chat with us, and I hope you can make the the next two. It's been a blast. It's always fun talking. Truly, to you. My, fun talking truly to you. my pleasure, guys. And uh, Epic, you're and thanks uh, you're for everyone host. else here. Yeah, thanks for everyone who joined us in the chat and came. And I'm I'm guessing Epic, I can probably guess what your score for this one was, but if you yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like for me, this is like uh, is right up there with Blood Song, and I like this one as I That's like this praise. this. High praise, high praise, high praise. And like, I, I really like this book specifically. Um, the one thing that I feel like is different from Blood Song in terms of the quality of like the characters and like things, something that made me enjoy this book a little bit extra is uh, like the prose. The prose is compact, it's neat, and it's 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 kind of it's it has that flowery element. Not so much that you feel like, oh, this guy is trying to show off that he's a writer, or this guy is like he's overdoing it, but just just enough that it 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 uh, it rolls off. It, like as as you read it, it 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 uh, it settles in the mind very very calm. It's like. You know, so I really enjoyed it. This is another level of writing, and uh, yeah, like highly, highly recommend. Thank you. It blows me away that this is your first novel. I can't believe this is the first book. It's crazy. Like this yeah. is yeah, crazy. This is what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, like like Epic said, it's really smooth from front to back. Really flows, and people say it's easy to read, and it sounds like an it almost sounds like an insult sometimes, but it was really easy to read. It's really smooth from front to back. And for me, the first 85% or whatever the percentage was, it felt like a roller coaster going up. And you know you're going to come. And I almost didn't want them to get there because of the buildup. Yes. So when we got there, I noticed my, my palms were sweaty and I was, <laughs> was getting faster. So I thought that was, I loved it. I, I know some people don't agree, but I, it's one of my book, favorite parts. The book has no problem with the, with the pacing at all, as far as I'm concerned, because no. it needed to, I felt like, uh, I don't know, when I read the, the last 85, like the, the necessity of everything before the 85, like was very, very obvious to me, you know? So like mm -hmm. uh, it uh, it for me because like it's it's kind of like a build up. By the time they get to the Barlands, you're like on edge. You're like holy shit! Like you, you know when they got there, like the walls were kind of like expanding. It wasn't quite what um, like they were told initially. I was just like holy shit! So these guys have no context. Holy shit! What is gonna happen? And uh, a character had already died at that point. So I, I started making, I was like, shit, who is going to die next? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like, at, by the time I got to the barrel, I got, like, by the time I got to the barrelands, I, 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 uh, I was exactly where I feel like you wanted me to be. Like, in kind of, like, respecting and fearing the barrel. Like, oh, shit, they are in it now, you know? And mm. I was there, and I really, really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic work. Thank you. So thanks again, Epic and Mike, for coming by today. And thanks, everyone in the chat, for coming to chat with us. And we'll see you. Any, anyone who wants to join the live discussion next month, or actually this month, just in a few weeks, let us know. And we'll try and get you set up and join us to, uh, to chat about uh, Sin Eater. So thanks again, everybody. And stay epic. Weekend.